So we are entering into a season of thanksgiving. And it is a time that we all kind of take a stock of our lives and, and as we often mention, count the blessings that have been bestowed upon us and we draw near to the ones that we love and we count them some of our greatest blessings. But um, I want to challenge us today. I want to challenge us in the next half hour to do something. What I challenge us to do is to step back for a moment. Instead of giving thanks for what we have received from the giver, I want us to take time to give thanks for the giver himself. And for the next 30 minutes as we walk through Psalm 100, I I just want to be thinking about the gift that God has given us in himself. Not what he has given us, but he himself. I know when I first became a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, my first maybe year or two, I found myself saying over and over and over again as I began to understand what this faith is all about, it's not what Jesus can give us. Jesus is the blessing. He is the blessing. He is the one that we are supposed to be thankful for. And that's really what I want to talk about here today. The title of our message today is Two Reasons Our Thanks Be to God. These are not our only two reasons that our thanks be to God, but uh, two really good reasons that we get straight from the Psalms. Because as we read Psalm 100, we're going to read five powerful verses of thanksgiving and praise offered to God as our King. This passage has an unshakable focus on bringing honor and glory to the throne of God. And it also gives us two main reasons that our thanks primarily belongs to God Himself. These two reasons are both clear enough that a child can understand them, yet they're deep enough that they can shake the core of our souls if we have the Spirit of God drawing our attention to them in His infinite majesty and wisdom. So please turn with me to Psalm 100 as we unveil two reasons our thanks be to God. Again, Psalm 100. If you would stand, and we'll read Psalm 100 together from God's holy, inerrant, infallible Word. Again, Psalm 100. Two reasons our thanks be to God. Starting in verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you and praise you because you are worthy of our thanks and praise. There are so many reasons, O oh God, to be thankful. So many blessings that you have bestowed upon all of us. Even those who are in seasons of turmoil and frustration, we can still step back and see a hand of blessing that you have laid upon us, Father. But I pray at this time, in this hour, as we read your word, that we would step back from the blessings that you have given us and focus on you and you alone as the greatest blessing of all. As we talk about your closeness and your character, Father, let our thanks be to you and to you alone. Father, if there is any in this room that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I pray in this hour that your spirit would move. I pray that you would remove hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh that you would illuminate our understanding of the word and that we would respond to this in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. If there's any in the sanctuary who do know Christ as Lord and Savior, 
but it's been awful hard to be thankful in a time of turmoil. I pray also that you would, through your Spirit, allow us to step back and look and to say, yes, we do have a God who is worthy of our thanks and praise. And in any and all situations of life, that these words of praise be offered up to you and you alone. Be with us now in this time of worship. Let it be a true act of worship as we read your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen. I told, uh, told Coach Tillman this morning that he has an extra special reason to be thankful today because there's only two points in our message. Not three, not four, we're going for two. But we're going to flesh those two points out because I believe that Psalm 100, as short as it is, has an awful lot to teach us about our thanks being to God and to God alone. So before we dive in, just a kind of quick background on Psalm 100. Again, I've talked about the Psalms being one of my favorite books of the Bible, if not my favorite book, because one of the things that we find in Psalms is honesty. You see the full range of human emotion in the book of Psalms. There are Psalms of praise. There are psalms of lament. There are psalms even of questioning God. Oh God, oh God, how long, oh Lord? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of these words divinely inspired of the Holy Spirit, but they don't erase the human emotion, the human element of our faith. We're real human beings. And when we read the Scriptures, we read the lives of real human beings who knew God and walked with God, but struggled. Struggle's a real thing. But we come to Psalm 100, and it's one of these homage psalms, these psalms that pay homage to God as our King. Because as much emotion as we have in the times that we're in turmoil and we we bang our fists against the chest of God and say, why, 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 we still need to step back and recognize who He is. And the more that we recognize Him, the more that we come into a true reality of God and the world He created, and the more it leads us into a heart of true worship. That's why we're here today. That's why I hope that we're here today, to truly worship the living God, because we know Him. He's revealed Himself to us through His Son and through His written Word, the Scriptures, and He is worthy of our praise. And so that leads us to, to Psalm 100. Psalm 100 is this natural outpouring of praise from the grateful heart for the ones who have come to an understanding that it is God who bestows upon these blessings. And so, when I talk about the title of our message being two reasons our thanks be to God, what are those two reasons? I'm going to keep it real simple, but again, sometimes the simple things can also be the deepest things. All right? So, as we look at the simple things, let's start with the first of our two reasons. Number one, our thanks be to God for His closeness. Our thanks be to God for His closeness. Look back with me at the text here in verses 1 through 3. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now, I don't know if you noticed, I tried with inflection as I was reading the Scripture uh, before we prayed to emphasize He and His over and over and over again. We can't, we can't gloss right past those words because they're really important. All right, think with me back to the Old Testament for a minute. The Old Testament is the history of the nation of Israel as God is revealing Himself to the world. All right, we see in the book of Genesis that God began in creation in a garden. 
that because of sin, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, and then human beings were wandering on the earth in sin, and they were blind to the truth of God. But God, in His love and in His sovereign grace, speaks to Abraham. And He says to Abraham, I will make a a great nation from, from your lineage. They will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And this nation, the nation of Israel, was a nation that he called unto himself. And the reason that God did that is not to play favorites, okay? We talked this morning in our prospective member class about how God has a, has a love for all of his creation, but he does have a special love for his children. But why did he call the nation of Israel to himself? So that through the nation of Israel, the rest of the world would know that there's a God, all right? He chose this tiny little nation to be a beacon of light for the rest of the world, we miss this all the time in the stories of the Old Testament, like in First uh, and Second Samuel, you look at the life of King David and that great story of, of David and Goliath. We miss the whole point of that story is not the strength of David. David's slinging that slingshot around. He's getting ready to toss the stone to kill Goliath. And what does he say? Today I will kill you so that the people will know that there's a God in Israel. That's the purpose of the story, not the strength of the faith of David, but the strength of God in the weakness of David. God was revealing himself to the world through Israel. And so as, as, as in the nation of Israel, as they're singing these psalms, it is natural for them to cling to him and say words like, it is he who made us, we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Not only do we know that there's a God that exists, but he's our God and we are his chosen before the foundations of the world. This is what made Israel want to praise him. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can claim the same promise. We don't have to be from Jewish lineage. We're from a spiritual lineage that comes through that blood that was shed on the cross at Calvary. When we've been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, God looks at us as he looks at his own son. He gave us the right to be called children of God. And because of that, we have a closeness with him that should always lead us into thanksgiving. It's not that we know that God exists, because we do. And it's not even we know all the things that God has done, because we have it right here. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you belong to God, and He belongs to you. The Holy Spirit indwells you. You can't get any closer than that. He is in you, and you are in Him. The images in the New Testament continue to point to this over and over and over again. In in the book of John, chapter 15, I've talked about my favorite passage in all the Scriptures. Jesus Christ says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We are the branches abiding in a vine. We are in God and he is in us. And you know something? As glorious as that truth is, we have to continue to remind ourselves of this over and over and over again. Because if we don't stop and remind ourselves through the course of the week, when all the troubles of the day start wearing on you, we can forget it. I mean, there are times, and I admit this, there are times even in recent weeks where I've been bulldozed by a bunch of issues and I'm saying, how can I I handle all of these things? And I have to stop and say, wait a minute. God is here. God is in me. He He didn't abandon me. He didn't kick me out in the middle of nowhere and say, handle that yourself. He's with me. He's in me. He's for me as long as I'm living in obedience to Him. And the same for all of you who are believers in Jesus Christ. We have a closeness with Him. You know, one of the things I talked about this morning, I've mentioned it here before, is the reason that Jesus Christ ascended to the Father 
was so that he could send down his Holy Spirit because in his humanity, when Jesus was on the earth, he could only be in one place at one time. But when he ascended to the Father and sent down his Holy Spirit, now through his Spirit, Jesus can be everywhere at all times indwelling each and every single one of us. You have complete and total access to the risen Savior. Praise be to God for his closeness. But as we walk through the passage here, it's just so powerful. All right, we said that God has revealed himself through the nation of Israel. But now that we know him through Jesus Christ, he's an all-powerful creator, as it says in verse 3. It is he who made us. We are not only his creation, but we're also his people. We are his. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. And what should our response be to that? Well, verse 1 tells us. We need to make a joyful noise and serve with gladness and come into His presence with singing. For the rest of my life, when I hear the words joyful noise, I will think of one person and one person only, and that is June Crooms. I had June Crooms confront me down here uh, right, right at the first row one day, and she said to me, she asked me why I wasn't in the choir. And I said, Miss June, God has not given me the gift of singing. I can't sing a lick. And in that famous June Croom voice, she said, well, I can't either, but I just get up there and make me a joyful noise. And I said, amen, Miss June, amen. And, uh, I, yeah, I miss Miss June, but she'll always have those words, joyful noise will always be attached to my heart with the name June Crooms written across it because she understood what it meant to make a joyful noise, did she not? I can still, I can still see her doing this right now. She knew how to make a joyful noise, to serve the Lord with gladness, to come into His presence with singing. This is why we sing before we read the Scriptures. I know there are days that sometimes we, it feels dry as toast to just stand up and sing. But then there are sometimes, and I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, there are sometimes where my emotions are stirred as I'm reading the words on the screen and I'm thinking about all the truth of what those words mean and I'm reminded of what God has done in my life and what He's doing in my life and what He promised that He will do in my life and it leads my heart to want to worship that's what, that's what Jody does. He leads us into worship of our risen Lord. And we worship Him because He's not some distant God that we read about once in a while. He's a God who's close because He's a God who's in here. So number one, our thanks be to God for His closeness. Before we move on to point two, I just want to stop for a second and just, and just say this. Do you stop even for one moment a week and think about how close God is? You know, you know the strange, here's something strange, that for me anyway, being in ministry. People act really weird around pastors. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> uh, people will say certain, they'll use certain language and then they'll try to straighten up when a pastor's around. What does it matter what I think? Okay, what does it matter? I'm just another person called of God to preach his word. But the same people who will say those things with no conscience at all when a pastor's not around, they forget that God is always around. He is present everywhere at all times. And, that, and, that, and that's a blessing that we need to thank God for, but we also need to be aware of that. There's never a time where God is not present and is fully aware of everything that we say, everything that we think, and everything that we do. But for that, we should give thanks. For that, we should give thanks. I know that I cannot fully bear the weight of knowing that God knows every one of my thoughts because I have a lot of thoughts that don't exactly honor Him. But in those moments, I'm also aware of His abiding grace 
for all of my sin, His grace abounds even more. Because He's a God who's close and wants to draw close to us and wants to cleanse us. And it leads me to thanksgiving. To say, thank you, God. You are worthy of thanksgiving. You are worthy of praise because you're a God of grace and you've not abandoned me. You're a God who is close. A God who is close. So number one, our thanks be to God for His closeness. Number two, our thanks be to God for His character. For His character. Read verses 4 through 5 with me once more. Starting in verse 4. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. You know, there's a quote, I've maybe mentioned it before, it's one of the favorite quotes that I've read in recent years. It comes from a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. A.W. Tozer wrote it in the first couple decades of the 1900s. And the quote at the very beginning of the book says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want you to stop and meditate on that for a second. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It is really, really important that you have a right understanding of who God is. It's really important. I I said, again, something else I've mentioned in our prospective member class, the word theology scares people. Because when you think of theology, you think of professors who make the Bible really hard to understand and pastors who speak Christianese. They speak this language that nobody can understand. And I'm aware of that. For people who come into church for the first time, I know there are words that are hard to understand. Now, there are some words that we need to preach and teach because they're in the Scriptures, even if they're difficult. But at the same time, we need to understand that there is a God who wants to be understood. There is a God who's revealed Himself to us, and He wants to be understood. All right. So what, we, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so we need to have a right understanding. So when I'm talking about theology, theology just means an understanding of who God is. And I've heard people say, well, I don't need all that theology. Just, just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. And then my response to that is, okay, who's Jesus? What do you mean? Well, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Well, how, why is he your Lord and Savior? Well, he died on the cross for my sins. Okay, what are sins? Sins are things that I say, think, and do that disobey God. Well, there, you just did theology. You cannot separate an understanding of God from theology because that is what we do to understand who God is. Now, we can get carried away with it and forget that it's a person that we're seeking to understand, but the more that we understand the character of God, the more that we're going to continue to have thanks and praise towards God. All right, so what's the character of God? Well, this, this shows us verse 5, God is good. It's not, it's, it's not enough to just say it. We have to understand it. God is good. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. God is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. That's really hard for some human beings to come to an understanding of. And the reason why is this. We live in a broken world. All right? It's the hardest thing that we have to come to grips with as Christians. And I'm not going to shy away from it. I don't have the full answer to it. I've decided maybe on a Sunday night we'll go through a couple weeks series on, on understanding good in the midst of evil and suffering. But there's no evil in God. All the evil and all the suffering and all the pain that we, we, we experience on this side of heaven is because of the brokenness of the world 
that came through the sin of man. Everything that God created was good. And when he created human beings, the Bible said it was very good. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no disease. There was no pain. But when human beings decided that they thought they knew what they needed and wanted more so than God, sin entered the picture. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And so death and disease and destruction entered our world. And we can, if we're not careful, we can start looking at all the disease and all the destruction and all the pain and all the cancer and start pointing a finger at God. God is not the author of those things. Now you have God's permissible will, all right, things that God allows to happen. And sometimes we can, in prayer, question God and say, why would you allow that to happen? But one of the reasons that we can take a deep breath and say, even in the midst of pain, God is still good, is because we don't know the whole big picture. And, and, and if, if suffering on this side of heaven for this amount of time will prepare me for eternal joy for this amount of time, bring on the suffering. Let me suffer in the short term what I could experience joy in the long term. I don't know about you, but when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I didn't want to live anymore. God had to bring me to a point of such spiritual depression, I did not want to get out of bed. Because when I got to the end of myself is when I got to the beginning of Him. And praise God that He brought me to that point. And I know as the days are ahead, there are times of suffering that God is going to appoint for me to endure. Because it's in the suffering that we cling close to Him and become more like His Son who suffered for us. Who suffered for us. But if you're going through it right now, if you've come into this church this morning in a deep and dark season, let me offer you words of encouragement. God is good. Maybe what's happening to you right now doesn't feel good. It doesn't seem good. All right? I didn't say everything that happens is good, but God is good. All right? Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. doesn't mean everything that we experience is good. All right? Death is not a good thing. Pain is not a good thing. But they're working together for our good if we love God and are called according to His purpose. We need to understand in the midst of pain and suffering, God is good. He is good. All right? Also, it says here in verse 5 that His steadfast love endures forever. Not only does God give love, but God is love. It's His nature. It's who He is. 1 John 4, 8 says this, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I'll be honest with you. My heart sank a little bit as I heard Donald Trump reciting that verse behind a podium this week. I was grateful that he did not try to make a sermon out of it. He simply read the verse and moved on because I do not think he's called to preach. But it's, I'm so glad that God, the Word of God has been proclaimed. Amen? Amen. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. He hasn't, when, when I say love, according to Scripture, love is more than just an emotion, although emotions come from that. It is this constant, abiding, unwavering commitment that God makes to us. I'm so grateful for His commitment. I'm so grateful for His faithfulness. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, And I'm sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you 
will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Do you know how much comfort I find in those words? You know, we've been so blessed that God has brought us back here to Cedar Street. Got a great church family. Got a beautiful home that's been remodeled. Got a wonderful church family who's supporting us. And, and, and the committees have just been so gracious and supportive to me And as I've casted the vision for the church. And if I'm, if I'm not careful, and I know, Brother Larry, you and I have talked about this, insurance is, is going sky high next year, right? And I got a baby. I got to add to my insurance package. And as I stand here right now, I do not know how I will pay bills adding another human being to an insurance package that is skyrocketing as we speak. I don't know how it's going to work. But can I tell you something? God did not bring me this far to say, oh, you've reached the end of my grace. You're on your own now, big guy. You're on your own. No. God has not given up on us. If he's brought us this far, he will continue to carry us to finish what it is that he started in each and every single one of us. And that is worthy of our thanksgiving and praise. He has not finished with us yet. And so what should our, should our response be to his character? Well, the beginning of verse 4 tells us, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. I know it is hard it is hard to walk into church every Sunday with a smile on your face and give thanks and praise when your world is coming apart at the seams behind closed doors. I'm not saying that church is a place where we need to put on makeup and pretend. I don't want to pretend. All right? Sin is messy. We all have messy lives. We put on our Sunday best and our smiles and hugs and handshakes and, and behind closed doors, all of us are trying to figure it out. All of us have train wreck lives in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I'm not going to pretend like I got it together because I certainly don't. But I can stop and I can take a deep breath and I can begin to think about God and these two reasons that we talked about here today. That He's close, all right? He's with me, He's for me, He's in me. And I can also think of His character, that He's loving that he's holy, that he's faithful, that he's going to finish what he started. He's never going to leave us nor forsake us, that he's with us everywhere that we go, that he indwells us, that he's changing us to be more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, with every breath we take. We always, no matter what situation we are in life, have reason to give thanks and praise to God because of his closeness and because of his character. And so that leads me to a very obvious conclusion. And our conclusion is this. We will live a life of thanksgiving when we remind ourselves of God's closeness and His character every single day. Whatever you have to do. All right? so sometimes, there have been times in my life I've, uh, I love post-it notes. I, I've started to get away from them because I, I started sticking them everywhere and then they kind of lost their purpose. All right, but I used to put sticky notes at the bottom of my computer monitor just to remind me of key things. Um, I remember at the Guidos, I don't know if it was Michael that started this or Dr. Larry, but they have these little tent things you put on your desk, and it says, have you prayed about this today? You know, have you stopped and acknowledged that God is in this? Have you taken a deep breath and said, God is in your presence right here and right now? Have you stopped and thought about His goodness all right, in the midst of turmoil and struggle, that there's still a good God who's seated on the throne. 
Let us renew our minds in these things. You know, this morning uh, during our time of dedication, we read Deuteronomy 6. And it talked about raising up children and the admonition of the Lord that we're supposed to talk about these things when we walk along the path and when we're in our homes and write them over the doorposts of our house and write them on our foreheads. We're supposed to have these ideas of who God is on our minds and on our hearts and on our tongues morning and noon and night. And, and, and the world is fighting us for that attention. The remote control is fighting us for that attention. All right? The internet is fighting us for that attention. And those things are not wrong by themselves, all right? They're not wrong by themselves, but they're wrong if they take us away from understanding God and His closeness and in His character. So as we enter into a time of invitation, let us continue to cling to these words. Let us continue to seek to be thankful towards a God who is close and a God of character who's a God of love and who's a God who's faithful. It is our single most important reason that we have to give thanks during our Thanksgiving season. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we have so much to be thankful for. We do have a lot of blessings to count, Father. Everybody in this room right now has a roof over our head, clothes on our back, and breath in our lungs. But beyond those things, Father, they just point to you. They point to your goodness. They point to your faithfulness. They point to your closeness. Father, I pray again, if there's anybody in this room that does not know Jesus, they don't know you as a God who's close. Draw them close to you, Father. Open up their eyes that they may respond in repentance and faith. And Father, for those that are Christian, that do know your Son, but have had a season where they've wandered, let them come in thanksgiving and praise with an understanding that you're close and that you're a God of love. Be with us at this time, Father. As we enter this invitation, let your Holy Spirit move across this sanctuary and let it continue through this entire Thanksgiving and Christmas season, we pray. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen.